Hello. <clears throat> Thank you, Anchor, for making this a free service. Thank you. Because I know there's many people out there struggling to make make money, so to do this free is very helpful. And uh, this is Daniel Vayon with Daniel Vayon's views of real things, sports, TV, and uh, movies. Goodbye. Hello. This is the second part of uh, my episode. I spoke about Reba, Season 1, Episode 2. This is my second part. Um, we're talking about Roberts' Nitro from October 16th. In my last episode, I had... Hold on. Just realized I had still have some more music. Still have some more of the raw music to play, so I'm gonna play that. Hold on. Okay, the show started. You could see Triple H's uh, initials when he was just Hunter Stelmsley. You could see his initials in the shadow in the ring as he's standing waiting for his opponent. And Vince McMahon is announcing everybody that they're going to have a 15 foot high steel cage. Match on Monday Night Raw, and he and he and Jerry the King Lawler are standing up talking, as he's saying welcome to everybody. And Triple H is spraying Hunter Soundsley at the time, spraying something at them, though suggesting that they don't where they're standing doesn't smell too good. And he said, "Oh my goodness." It's it smells like raid, some sort of insecticide. And he said nonetheless we're talking about a fifteen foot high steel cage match. Most grueling match there is in all of the WWF. Bret Hart in there with Isaac Yankum. What about it, King? He said, Oh that's right, the steel cage. Better place than that for my man Isaac Yankum to perform his brand of dentistry. No better patient in the world. Then, the hitman, Bret Hart. You better be patient, because if you get involved, your president, Gorilla Monsoon, will be here to see that you are stuffed in your own personal cage. Oh, come on, McMahon. You know, as well as I do, there's nobody in the WWE tough enough to put me in a cage. By the way, as I said, Isaac Yankum's victory is already under lock and key. And he did that, that evil laugh, like he was making a joke out of it. Long, they say all, he, Vince said all kinds of action happening here tonight, ladies and gentlemen, on Raw. Late breaking stories as well. Gorilla Monsoon just yesterday on the Action Zone announced a $7,500 fine against two individuals 
involved in the six-man matchup here on Raw last week. Mabel and Dean were both fined $500, and furthermore, Gorilla Monsoon yesterday on the Action Zone stated he would join us here tonight, and he is here. He will announce, ladies and gentlemen, who will face King Mabel, because as a result of the carnage of Mabel and Yokozuna repeatedly, yes, spelling it, coming down on top of the Undertaker's face, in general terms, unfortunately, the Undertaker has suffered a crushed face. Vin, uh, Jerry said he was amazed. I didn't think it, anything could put the Undertaker out. But you got to admit it was beautiful. Only a sick, twisted person would say that, Jerry the King Lawler. Of course, I'm playing around. I read earlier today on Twitter... That when you do like it's real life, you're playing around kayfabe, so that's what I'm doing. I'm just playing around it. I don't think he's serious. Because some people take me seriously. He said, Yokozuna, then Mabel, then Yokozuna, then Mabel, down and down on The Undertaker. More damage was done than Hurricane Oprah. Think, think that's the right word. I'm not sure. That's a TV show. You mean old pal? Oh. Then he started talking about the first opening match of of Raw was um, Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Doink the Clown. Okay, we don't exactly know the first match on Raw, so we'll just keep we'll just keep this up to date and uh, as we uh, as we look at this, they say as live can be, it's WCW Monday Nitro on TV, or all TV title on the line, the debut of Chris Benoit. He faces Eddie Guerrero, Sting, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. For the big one everybody has been talking about, will it be Sting and Ric Flair to face Ron Anderson and Flying Brian? We'll find out tonight. Bobby Heenan said to Mongo, can you turn that Stephen Michael, that is. Can you turn that draw, that tarantula around so we can see it? Where's the batteries go? <laughs> and then he said, you realize that Ric Flair and Sting may not team up? They have not been partners since 1990. What I'm looking forward to seeing tonight, can Flair, Flair trust Sting or can Sting trust Flair? Let me tell you something. This is what Eric Bischoff said. There's not a match made in heaven. It was made this weekend on WCW Pro. He said this is the, they show what Ric Flair said to Sting during WCW Pro. He said, 
Brother, this is the last time I'm asking you. I dare you to look to my side to the right or left. I dare you to say no. Then he said he's going to give him the benefit of the doubt. This one time only. If he swerves them in the slightest bit, this, uh, this Halloween Havoc, to, to start, start with, he's going to leave him for dead. Then he repeated himself two more times. Three times, as a matter of fact. So there you have it. He will be his partner, but only because giving him the benefit of the doubt. So they start. So you can see somebody's about to come out because of the lights by the entrance ramp. And Steve McMichael said he drew the line in the sand. And Bobby mentioned that Flair knew how to get the sting. He got the little stingers with the they painted their faces up like sting. He has the little soap thrown in their eyes. Don't understand why he would say that, but anyway. He had their face painted, made them look pathetic. They could do nothing else but say, okay, I'll be your partner this one time. I don't think he could trust Flair, though. We'll find out. What do you think? One person said, I think they better get a coffin out here because if Ray Flair does something funny, he's going to be put in it. Because they're actually going to have that match um, between Arn and Pillman. They were going to have that match on this episode. So let's see what happens. Out first comes Diamond Dallas Page versus Johnny B. Bad. He hits Johnny B. Bad with the TV title because in real life they said they weren't they weren't where they needed to be to go against each other on Monday Nitro. So they hold this off for Halloween Havoc. He hits Johnny with the TV title, knocks him out, covers it after the referee. The Calls off the match. He takes the bad blaster. He does like he's making a cover. And he counts himself. One, two, three as the victor. And he pulls the trigger. To uh, to pretend like he won the match. I find this to be very interesting. Um, let's see. <clears throat> Let's see, well, that happened. Um, Hunter Hearst Helmsley had went against Doink the Clown, ended, I believe, the pedigree to Doink. And because he is a clown, they gave him the ugliest looking pants I've ever seen in my life. E ugly even for clown standards. Missed the cross body to Triple H. Triple H set him up. Hits the pedigree. One. Looks like two. Three. They didn't have enough. Let me state that. They didn't have a lot of time. Between the commercial and the next match. So let's see. 
after using the bad blaster they show the replay of everything so they because the Sunday at that time was gonna be the uh, not this Sunday but the Sunday back in 1995 October 16th 1995 six days later was gonna be Halloween Havoc so they show one final Show one more commercial for it. They show, because it is Halloween Havoc, Crystal Ball. They show in the Crystal Ball the, uh, the, the promotion for Monster Truck Battle between Hogan and Savage. They show the, their monster trucks and they morph them into the Giant and Hogan. And what I really hope gets added to this because of seeing this promotion. I hope they start adding a bunch of their um, WCW primetime shows because that really was really fun to see when you because they would always do a lot of um, hotline numbers about it. So the next, so while Eddie Guerrero went against Chris Benoit, let's see. Hmm. Nobody's in the ring, so Eddie Guerrero's the first person to come out. Let's see what music Chris Benoit comes out to. Okay, that's what I thought. I don't know what music to describe Chris Benoit's. I don't know how to describe the music Chris Benoit had. I don't even think that he was even a member of the Horsemen yet. But even when he was a Horseman member, I don't think he, uh... Was given his own, uh, I don't let me say that. I don't believe he used the Horseman music until about 1998 or 1999. So he used that music you just heard until they decided it's time for him to use the Horseman music. Okay, the first, I mean the second match, Monday Night Raw, was a team by the name of PG-13 challenging the Smoking Guns for the tag team titles. They kept the titles when Bart and Bill, Bart hit, Bart and Billy hit the, the, I'm trying to believe. I'm trying to remember how you, how you how you say this, but I believe the name of the move is called sidewalk slam. Sidewalk slam, leg top rope, leg drop combination to keep the titles. One, two, three. 
while that happened. See how uh, Chris Benoit versus Guerrero ended. Went for a powerbomb. Got out of it really quick. Did Eddie Guerrero with a sunset flip. Well, I got out of it. They both stand up. Chris Benoit was hit with the right hand, but I'm not sure what happened, but and he started doing like he was in pain, and then Benoit caught him with the the old-fashioned um, full Nelson third, suplex. One, two, three. Wins the match. But this was had a bigger um, break or stretch between this match and uh and the third match. So let's see. They talk about I'll give a match. Guerrero and I had, and Eric Bischoff said. Talked about earlier how the giant, the giant is here. He, he said, as I understand it, I'm gonna be hearing from world heavyweight champion a bit later on. He said, "Let's go now." Oh gosh, this is scaring me already. Take it away, Gene. Gene said, "That's a very formidable situation here at WCW, Eric." By the way, fans, before I talk to my guest, so they talk to you on the hotline this Saturday. More late breaking news. This was when they still had, just like WWF Raw, their hotline number, they put no longer active. They put the same thing right here, Monday Nitro. At the time, the cost was $1.49 a minute. For anybody who calls, and kids must have parents' permission. Charges will appear on the parents' phone bill, that's why. Let's see. And he said, allegedly, one of the top officials, the WWE, made his, over the week, history over the weekend. Plus, I heard that Gruber, one of the, their top superstars, also getting into a fight in the parking lot with a fan and coming out of the short end of the stick. We can't talk about here it here, but call the hotline tonight at one nine hundred nine oh nine ninety nine hundred. Make that telephone call right now. And because I am supposed to be giving my views on this, I think it was actually I believe it was smart on WCW. I don't no, I don't think it was... I don't like the fact that they didn't have a full-blown match between Paige and Bad. But I think it was smart to, uh... to have their opponents show what they can do instead of having one of the men, their stars have their star show what they can do instead of having one of them look like a jobber. I thought that was smart of them. I always loved the uh, hotline number 
build that they used to use, or the... I, I loved that they would use... that they used a hotline number to let fans know what was going on. And after hearing all these stories the past... um, all these years later, I know that a lot of them... If not all of them are true to life, so I'm glad they did that. He said, please welcome to Monday Nitro, along with the Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan, 7 foot 4, well over 400 pounds, he is the giant. Fast forward this. Okay. Then he said, keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, we are inside two weeks following havoc in the Motor City when the Giant will be challenging Hulk Hogan and these monster trucks on top of Cobo Hall. Who knows what's going to happen there? Knows what's going to happen there. He talks to Kevin Sullivan about how he's the one that stirred the pot over recent weeks. He said... Mr. Okerlund, for months, I told everybody that I'm evil. For months, I told Hogan he was the one that created me. Last week in Chicago, when Hogan walked the aisle, and the whole world stood still because he was dressed in black and said, Yes. Kevin Sullivan is evil. And yes, Hulk Hogan has an evil side. You see, Gene, there's a difference between myself and Hulk Hogan. From the day that I was born, I knew I was a personification of evil. In Hogan, there's a small... Part of, good, part of goodness still left in the carcass of his heart. He's taking credit for any bit of evil he has in him coming out. He said the next thing he gave up, look at me, he gave up his colors. One more thing, Hogan. All these young Hulkamaniacs have followed you for one reason. You've been a winner. They bought into this saying their prayers, saying their prayers, training, and taking their vitamins. After Detroit, these young Hulkamaniacs become the children of the Dungeon of Doom. And without further ado, let me introduce you to the new and future WCW World Heavyweight Champion, the Giant. He claimed he was going to push Hogan and that monster truck over the roof. He said, I'm going to try to push you off that roof and when the jaws of life pull your miserable carcass out of that rack and drag you into the ring, I will strip you of that belt. Do you understand what's going 
And I have been Hogan. Eugene, do you want to see the hand that destroys Hogan? That's right, it's like a maniac. Maniac? I think it's bigger than... He said, I think it's bigger than Moose Lawrence's first basement. He said, thank you very much. Let's get back to you. To you. Holy cow. Remind us of that match coming to us exclusively on pay-per-view. So I have to talk about this and the next week's episode of of Monday Nitro. Hmm. Show one more video advertisement for Halloween Havoc. That's live at the time 7pm only on pay-per-view. Call your local local cable company. Machine versus Machine. They say coming up next is Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Ming. After after getting body slammed by Jim Duggan, he stood up. Ming did. Savant kick, I believe, is what they gonna call it, or a uh. Or, actually, I don't know what to call it. Probably a super kick. He put his, the golden spike on the side of uh, where the trapezius muscle is to make uh, Jim Duggan submit. Okay. Then when that happened... First, I already said the tag team title defense, and they show a commercial where um, Bertha Faye go against uh, Alondra Blaze next week, or defend the heavy women's title against Bertha Faye, against Alondra Blaze, excuse me, next week on Raw. Show a replay of the six-man tag team match. Last week on Raw, them talking to Davey Boy Smith. Because Diesel's going to defend the heavyweight title against, uh, British Bulldog at the pay-per-view in your house. That's going to be... That's actually going to be the next thing I talk about. I forgot it wasn't... forgot it was in your house before Halloween Havoc. So, let me do this episode. The next match was Dean Douglas against Joe Dorgan. Dean Douglas beats Joe Dorgan with a perfect plex. One, two, three. 
Let's see what happens right here. They have a com they have a advertisement for some t-shirts or a t-shirt by Doc Kendrick talking about what the t-shirts are and then if you order it they'll throw in a free videotape and they promote once again the in your house pay-per-view and while they're doing that they're setting up the penalty cage to put put Jerry Lawler in if he decides to get involved they show a beignet from Goldust the original Goldust if if y'all grew up like I did watching this unless unless you were used to seeing that unless you were around that growing up then I, I guess uh, y'all felt like I did that it was just something you were not used to so it still freaks me out when I see that. So I fast forward through it. Show a replay from last week of what supposedly crushed the Undertaker's face. They show this. Paul Bearer's talking about it. Look what they've done to my Undertaker, he said. Yokozuna and Mabel? They've crushed his face. He may never look the same again. May never be the same again. But soon. Soon he'll return to action. And crush the soul. <laughs> crush their souls. Oh they really went too far with this. This was ridiculous. Oh man, it was ridiculous. And although he may never be the same again, he'll return very soon. He said, And you, Mabel, and you, Yokozuna, you'll never be the same again either. But oh yes. Now comes Isaac Yankum. Gonna fast forward this a little bit because I actually want to see when they throw um, Jerry Lawler in the penalty box. Let's see, for let's see, we're on it a little bit. Okay. Isaac Ankum's climbing the cage, gets caught by Bret Hart. Right hand, right forearm to the back. Another one, falls down off the ropes. How's Bret Hart to try? And he gets caught by Kane, by uh, Isaac Ankum. it a little bit. Okay. This might be around the time that he that he gets uh, Jerry Lawler gets involved. Let's see. Bret Hart pulls him off the top rope by his leg. 
Wait. Okay. They actually have to unlock the uh the padlock on the cage door because there is no way to close and unlock it. Ooh, he gets those lines from the back by Isaac Hankum. That would explain why they always had to escape from the top of the cage to win the match. Because there is no way to unlock the uh to unlock the padlock. Let's see. He said, where did you get that log, Jerry? Jim Ross? No, Vince asked Jerry. And they go back to what's going on inside the ring, and they go back and forth between the two of them. Right. Right hand. Okay. Headbutt to Isaac Yankum. I rake to Brad Hart by Isaac Yankum. They had a special bulletin at the bottom screen. The bulletin was, for more information on the Shawn Michaels situation, call the WWF Superstar Line. Option 6. Isaac started climbing the top the top of that part of the cage where it catches him by his leg. <clears throat> then he catches him, throws him across the ring. Even at one point, put the sharpshooter on Isaac Yankum just to weaken him to where he could climb the top of the cage. Here's when Jerry Lawler gets involved. Because it's right in front of him. He goes up there himself. He hits Brett with a couple of right hands. Knocks him down. And he, like, remember earlier, he said, Nobody's man enough to put me in a cage. Well, Gorilla Montuna comes out, tells him to get down. Hey, one of the referees, I think it's Earl Hebner, pulling him by his tights. They don't need to do that. Brett gets up there and he hits with a few rights. The fourth one's he doesn't fall down, so he climbs down. Now they take him, they put him in the penalty box. They close it. They tell them to to raise it. I think the last time I saw something like this was um, you have to look at the pay per view section to know for sure. Capital Combat ninety, I believe. That only happened once, and I believe 
that was when they did that. I must have been about five or six when I saw this on videotape. Okay, maybe, okay, I can't say what show it was, but, uh, then on a show I remember seeing with my, uh, with my uncle, was, um, was when Jim Cornette had to go in a penalty box, and me, me and Uncle Farrell laughed, her heads up because Al Jim Cornette fussed about it the whole time. So, anyway, when this happened, they, they raised it t so high that it affected... I'm trying to remember. I just, oh, yeah. They raised it so high, it affected... Um... Jerry Lawler so much that, if I'm not mistaken, they, he suffered a nosebleed because of this, to the, to the point that he has a deviated septum, and spoke about this in the Cage Match DVD, the first one they ever put together, he said that he was getting a nosebleed. And he said in real life that it was because he felt something bothering him. The point where he had to uh, had to pick at it. And the next thing you know, he's bleeding down his mouth from his nose. And... Bret Hart ended up escaping the cage to win. And the rest is literally history. While that happened, and that, while that was happening in the, uh, the raw side of things. They had a few segments. Hulk Hogan being in black. The the neck brace was in black. And so was his bandana. So. After that happened. They went straight to the ring. The first people out were. 
Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman in the next for Sting and Ric Flair. All I really know is that they got um, Pillman and Anderson got disqualified. I'm not really sure where Flair was at when this was happening. But, uh, there. There's Ric Flair. Ric Flair goes to the ring by himself. Okay, it looks like it started out where it was just Ric Flair by himself. No, this is reminding me of <clears throat> Ric Flair's tights and his knee pads and his boots. Remind me of the first action figure I ever had was Ric Flair, and it looked just like it looked just like he looks right here. By the way, anybody want to hear a great podcast out there? What Listen to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff and Conrad Thompson. They did an episode about Ric Flair turning 70 and um, I forgot what other episode they did. Oh yeah, after they did the special about Ric Flair, they also spoke about Uncensored 97. Which, if you were a WCW fan, that's, this is a, this is a podcast for you because I loved WCW to the point that that's why, that's why I, why I watched the, listen to this podcast. I've even asked a question or two for this podcast before. Okay, about 10, 15 minutes before match is over, he gets, Sting comes out, gets himself tagged in. It's <clears throat> one thing I always wanted to do because when I, I never watched, um, Halloween Havoc, 95, as a kid. So years after WCW was sold, I um, rented Halloween Havoc once. I was about 15 years old. And I... Um, 
So I watched it, and I always wonder, wanted to see what the build of what the shows were before it. So this this is exactly what I was wanted to do. So I'm happy to do it. And uh, now that I said how it ended, uh, they got disqualified somehow. So that's all I need to know for WCW Monday Nitro. They even said that they even said that they would team with each other to go against Arn and Pillman at Halloween Havoc. So that was the biggest answer right there. And to be honest, I don't really know if they needed that anything else for Halloween Havoc after after that uh after doing that episode. It's really great. Okay, you gotta fast forward a little bit more. Okay, uh, they go, they show the end credits for Raw, and then they show up, and the jury is still up in the cage in midair. So they said, we might have to wait until Sunday to get you down there. But of course, we, we know now that there's no way they could wait that long, but it's still funny to see. They do one more, they want do one last plug for In Your House, which I think was in Canada. Okay, that is all I have for this episode. And, uh, I'll be doing another episode. This one is gonna be In Your House, and it's gonna be, um,. Okay, to be honest, I think it might just be regular in your house because I don't uh, think they had anything. Um, I don't think this was a special tag or anything, so it might just be a regular in your house. Okay. Okay, October 22nd, in your house. That's going to be the next pay-per-view. So, that's going to be an uh, bonus episode for people out there and uh, that for people that are wondering if this is a regular episode or not well fortunately Anchor um, has a bonus episode feature so my first bonus episode is going to be In Your House from October 22nd 1995 thank you and goodbye the podcast you just heard was made using Anchor 
Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.